happy Friday to everyone. We finally made it through the week. I wasn't sure if I was going to see Friday this week, but we finally made it, so we're here. Uh, welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'll be joined later on the show by my co-host, John DeShazer, who will sit down with Daryl the Moose Johnson, the Cowboy great, who will be on the call this weekend with Chris Myers and Laura Oakman for the Saints vs. Buccaneers game at noon in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We'll also preview your fantasy football lineup this weekend with Derek James for a little fantasy football Friday. Uh, I didn't listen listen to him last week and ended up paying for it this week in fantasy football. I was bragging about being undefeated, but now I am 3-1, and one, sadly. But that's all right. So Derek gets you ready for this week in fantasy football talk. Uh, and, of course, J.D. will get into it with the Saints and Buccaneers talk with Daryl the Moose Johnson. All right, let's get to it. Well, Daryl, you've seen a couple of games now this season, early in the season, but what has stood out to you most so far? Uh, really the way that, and, and you talk about this, when you lose a key player on your off, on your on your team, and my gosh, you, know, you talk about, you know, the future Hall of Famer and Drew Brees, um, you know, how is that going to impact the team? And, and, you know, right away, you know, it's hard to explain this to people, but I don't think it's that anybody plays harder. You just try to play a lot cleaner. You know that your margin for error just shrank a ton. So you've got to you've got to make up for what Drew Brees brings to not only the game day but also to the practice field uh, in preparation for game day uh, in, in every way you possibly can. And I think one of the great things that, that I've seen with the Saints since that injury. Uh, you know, especially in Seattle, a very difficult place to play, uh, you know, going up and getting a special teams touchdown, getting a defensive touchdown. Uh, you know, you're going to have to account for his production in other, in other areas. Uh, and then the game last week against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, how well that defense played, uh, you know, kind of getting, you know, uh, eliminating some of the challenges that had been there through the first three weeks of the season. Um, you know, the, the, the explosive play had had been uh, had been something that uh, they needed to, to improve on, and they did that. Uh, you know, the big plays that Dallas got, uh, one led to a touchdown, but one was at the end of the game, so a minimal impact, uh, you know, offensively. Uh, and, and then they continue to play great defense. Uh, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher in, I think, 30 games now. So um, going up against what, what many consider to be the top offensive line in the league um, with a two-time NFL rushing champion behind them, uh, and to hold him to under two yards of carry uh, in, in almost 20 carries is, is very impressive. Uh, you know, I know I know how good that line is, and, and to watch the Saints front really kind of take over the line of scrimmage and, and dictate uh, to the Cowboys' offensive line. You know, during the entire game, there, there was really nowhere for Ezekiel Elliott to run during the course of the game. You know, they're like I guess we can be a little provincial because you know we see the Saints more often than than most. But was there, I guess, a wider range or a wider view or national view of how well the Saints had built themselves as a team to where maybe you can sustain uh, the absence of Drew Brees for, for a brief bit? You know, obviously you don't want it to be a long time, but, you know, through the drafting and the free agent pickups, uh, the, the, the team seemed to build the proper depth, depth to be able to withstand such a loss for, for like I said, at least a brief period of time. Was that a national thought about this team? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was national or not, but there's there's been a couple of teams who maybe, you know, in the past um, didn't have that quality depth, and that, that was one of the big reasons in the era of free agency where you, you saw so much fluctuation. Now we're seeing some teams be able to be consistent year in and year out, and I think a lot of that has to go to, 
you know, the relationship with the head coach and the personnel department. And, and for, for New Orleans, you know, to have, you know, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis working hand in hand and knowing exactly what each other is looking for and, and kind of being in lockstep as they bring the people in, you know, how they fit, what they want to do offensively, how they fit, what Dennis Allen wants them to do defensively. Um, you know, it takes time to get there. But, but I think over the last, you know, several years, the Saints have done a great job of building their depth. And, and I've seen it happen. I've seen, you know, sometimes not a guy to the magnitude of Drew Brees, um, but, you know, somebody else uh, who, who's going to be gone for, you know, two, three, four weeks, and you see these other guys step in, and it, it, it looks like they don't miss a beat. And, you, you know, you find these unique players, you know, to, to find a guy like Deontay Spencer, you know, out of assumption, um, you know, that's, you know, some people think that's easy, but it seems like the Saints do it time and time again. You know, you move from Tommy Lee Lewis onto Deontay, onto Deontay Spencer. So, uh, you know, it's just it's amazing, you know, some of the diamonds in the rough they find, you know, how good they are at matching uh, draft picks and free agents uh, into what they're doing offensively and defensively. And then when you have good depth, when you create good depth on your team, it automatically elevates your special teams. And, and I think that the Saints are very underrated as a special teams unit right now. I, I think when you when you talk about the NFL, I think one of the groups you go to right away is, is John Fossil out in L.A. in what he's been doing uh, you know, year in and year out. He's got great specialists out there with, uh, with Greg Zerline and Johnny Hecker. Uh, but I think the Saints are right there with him. Uh, you know, not only you know, great coverage teams, but, but also some really good specialists as well. When you talk about Will Luntz and Thomas Morstead, you know you got guys who can control the field, give you an opportunity to win games uh, with long field goals. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that that Mickey Loomis has done a great job. Uh, obviously, the, the relationship uh, is very close with Sean Payton, uh, and the biggest thing you can have is have your your coaching staff and your personnel department on the same page and what you're trying to accomplish and what you're looking at. You know, Darrell, you you obviously played fullback, and so you have an appreciation for the position. But it it seemed to be fading out of the NFL for for a period of time, and yet Sean Payton won't be caught without one. Uh, he's got one every year this year or the last several years. It's been Zach Line. Uh, do you get a a sense of how important the fullback position remains in the NFL, or is it just specific to some teams? We had uh, we had somebody earlier this year. I think it was. Um, gosh, I, I can't believe I'm going to forget his name because it was it was such a great compliment to the position. Um, you know, it might have been it might have been uh, Matt Lafleur up in Green Bay, mm-hmm. um, but they referred to the uh, to the fullback as a fixer. Um, you know, he's a guy that can jump in and, and, and play a lot of different roles and, and, and fix what's needed. Uh, so uh, you know, I thought that that was very unique because I've always. I've always thought that the fullback eventually would come back as we started to kind of move away from, you know, a lot of the spread offense and, and we're starting to, to play in more condensed formations. And, and there's tremendous athletes in the defensive line. And, and sometimes they'll just beat an offensive lineman clean. And if you've got a single back offense, that, that free defensive lineman is, is free right to the running back. Um, with a fullback, he can be your fixer. You know, he can, he can pick that guy up and, and give the running back an opportunity where he doesn't have a, a lineman that's been cut loose right in his face. Um, you know, he can, he can roll into a number of different positions. You know, if he's athletic enough, you can remove him from formation and get a very favorable matchup. And, and you know, that's one of the things that we see, you know, with a Kyle Juszczyk and, and some of the other guys that are kind of that, uh, you know, not, maybe not a, a true lead fullback uh, from a blocking sense, but, but a big body guy that can create a good matchup on the outside, but also get in there and, and bang around a little bit. So I, I'm starting to see the position get more appreciation 
Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, the, the rest of the teams will realize that they need a fixer out there every once in a while just to make sure that the play comes off clean. Well, you, you fixed it for one of the guys who might be considered the GOAT. I mean, Emmett Smith, uh, the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Uh, Zach Lyon here is the guy who's fixing it for Alvin Kamara. Um, what are some of the things you've seen about Alvin, Alvin Kamara that make him, make him special? Oh, the, the biggest thing for me is how physical he is. You know, how well he runs between the tackle, uh, you know, his contact balance. Uh, there's so many plays where you think he's down once, twice, sometimes three times, and, and yet he's still on his feet getting positive yardage. And when he first kind of created his niche with the Saints, it was more of a space player. Um, you know, a guy you would use in the screen game, a guy you could put outside and create mismatches with, and now you're bringing him inside, and he's actually fulfilling not only his old Alvin Kamara role, but also the Mark Ingram role. Uh, I, I've been very, very impressed uh, how well he runs the ball between the tackles. That, that was something that, that, that maybe you, you thought he was capable of doing you know, from time to time, but, but to be able to go in there and, and be a, you know, kind of a bell cow running back and, and take snaps and, and you know, just kind of pound it in there on the inside. Um, you know, I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen so far this year. Daryl, can you talk a little bit about uh, moving on to the the Buccaneers, who obviously the Saints will face this week? I mean, Shaq Barrett is leading the league in sacks right now. They have Indomika Sue right now, number one in uh, rushing defense. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen out of the Bucks defense and how they've kind of transformed themselves, especially from last year? Well, I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Todd Bowles, uh, who's their defensive coordinator, uh, the former head coach of the New York Jets, and, and he has a great relationship with Bruce Arians. They were together out in Arizona. So, um, you know, Todd has, uh, you know, a lot of interesting people in his background that he was able to draw from. Um, you know, Richie Pettibone and, and Emmett Thomas were his coaches when he was a player, and one of the things he told us about Richie Pettibone was we had our base defense, but we adjusted from week to week. Um, you know, to try and take away their strengths, to, play, to try and play to our strengths. So, you know, we weren't just trying to plug a system in and, and see if it would hold up during the course of the game. We would tweak it to make sure it was the best matchup we could possibly have. So that made a big impression on him. And then he's been around a number of other really, really good coordinators. Uh, you'll see some of the Mike Zimmer double A-gap mug type stuff uh, that he got while he was here in Dallas. He's worked, uh, you know, with Mike Nolan, uh, with Wade Phillips. Um, just a number of guys to really kind of get some great ideas from defensively and then kind of put that all together in what you do. And when we talked to the, the, the Bucks players last week, we had them against the Rams. Um, they're playing with a ton of confidence. And, uh, you know, they've got good guys up front. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, good linebackers. Shaq Barrett was a guy who you watched the film, and he had eight sacks going into the game last week. And it, it seems some of them were more opportunistic. There were other times. Uh, where he was, uh, you know, beating tackles with some, some very good athleticism and moves. Um, but his game last week, I think to me, w was the best game that he played. Now, he, he didn't have the four sacks like he had against the Giants, but I think his overall performance, you know, to have the interception the way he played that, you know, he's causing fumbles. He's creating short fields for the offense on, on, on multiple occasions. Um, and, and that just really kind of, you know, fits into that complementary style of football that you have to have to be successful. So, um, you know, th this is a really good defense. They're, they're playing really well and on both sides of the ball. The first year you expect some growing pains, um, but the Bucks really seem to have, you know, come out and, and really understand what Todd Bowles wants to do defensively. They understand what Bruce Arians wants to do from an offensive perspective, uh, and, and they're getting better and better each week. 
It was a little bit unexpected, especially at the beginning of the season, to uh, think that Teddy Bridgewater would be the quarter, the number one quarterback going into this game. But do you think it's an advantage for the Saints going into this game that Teddy spent some time with Todd uh, on the Jets and maybe knowing some of his tendencies and what he likes to do on defense? Well, he'll be familiar with it, um, but you know anything that Todd feels that, that he may have an edge on him, right. uh, he'll he'll probably change that up. Just like we talked, you know that that influence from Rich, from Richie Pettibone back with the Redskins when he was a player really made an impact on him, um, and, and it's good to hear because you know that the defenses are adjusting to matchups each week. Um, but you know, there's there's no fear in what Todd does, and it was interesting because you know the Rams have kind of seen similar defenses to what the Patriots did to him in the Super Bowl as other teams try to play that copycat style of, of uh, you know, defense, uh, it worked for the Patriots, so let's see if it works for us. And it was kind of, it was kind of entertaining for us. You know, we don't think we're going to see it from Todd Bowles, and, and sure enough, we never saw it. You know, Todd is very, he's very comfortable. He's very confident in what his guys can do within his system. So uh, he's not going to stray too far, uh, but, but he'll have things out there where, where Teddy Bridgewater won't be able to, to kind of get a tip or, or, or an idea of what's coming. You, you mentioned Bruce Arians, who has been, for a good part of his career, kind of a quarterback whisperer, so to speak. Can he or has he settled down Jameis Winston? You know, I don't know if it's if he settled him down. I, I think the big thing that, that Bruce did um, was he came in and told Jameis, you don't need to be the face of the franchise, you don't need to be the voice of the franchise we got people that will do that. I, w- I want to take all that off-field stuff away from you, and I want you to just concentrate on being the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, after the week one loss to San Francisco when he had some costly interceptions, you know, Bruce was quick to tell him, just keep slinging it. You know, we'll, we'll start to teach you the why that happened, and, and you'll continue to grow. But what I, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be hesitant. I want you to turn it loose. I want you to understand – you know, where your matchups are. I want you to understand, uh, you know, how the defense is going to try and come out and play us. I'm going to teach you the whys. I'm going to teach you the whats. But I want you to turn the ball loose. And and I think he's playing with a freedom that he hasn't had till this point in his career, both on and off the field. And and maybe off the field, you know, more than on the field. I I think he's always been an aggressive thrower, but now he understands the whys, you know, whether it's I can do this or I shouldn't do this. And, And he talked to us about, you know, not just, matchups and situational components like red zone and third down but just matchups during the course of the game on every snap because I had an interception where I threw a hitch to a running back who was being guarded by a pro bowl corner you know that's not a good matchup for us I should have steered clear of that so he's just learning the real subtleties and the nuances of the game offensively Uh, but I really feel that the biggest thing is is Bruce really took away a lot of that responsibility off the field Uh, and I think that that was a huge burden lifted from him and he's playing a lot looser and a lot freer I don't know why, but every time I think of Jameis Winston, I think of when he was in the Superdome and he made the W with his hands and then he started eating the W. That's that's always my memory of Jameis Winston when I think of him. Uh, Daryl, when do you get in town for the game? Uh, we'll be in town for practice tomorrow with the Saints. Do you have a go-to restaurant in New Orleans? I have several. I have several. Um, I don't know what, uh, what the group has decided on, uh, but – Gosh, if you can't find one in, in New Orleans, um, you, you, you're uh, you're not looking very hard. Um, Gautreaux's is my favorite restaurant in New Orleans, but for a for a working group, I don't think that's the right atmosphere. But, yeah, probably. Not. Uh, maybe I'll sneak away and have dinner by myself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right, Daryl, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to hearing you alongside Chris Myers on Sunday. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, Daryl. 
All right, Derek, even though we have this fantasy football Friday segment, I completely forgot to check my lineup last week. I had the Eagles defense, which got me zero points. Mm -hmm. And then my kicker was on a bye week, and then one of my running backs was on a bye week. So even with this fantasy football segment, I still forgot to check, and I ended up losing. So I'm no longer (laughs) undefeated, and I was very upset about it. But, you know, I will prevail. I know, I know. If that happens in one of my leagues – the entire league is is emailing that person. Really? Like, Y'all dude, have like several group chats talking yeah, about fantasy. Yeah, we, yeah, we talk about it all the time. It's it's one of those things where if somebody's not set, setting their lineup, it could throw off the entire competitive balance of, of the league. You know, if you're giving out free wins, so come on, Carolina. You See, get on I that. feel like I have too much going on. Like if someone was texting me about fantasy football, I was like, listen, I have like real life, real problems going on. Don't text me about this fantasy Definitely. world. But I guess you know, fantasy for a lot of people is kind of their you know escape, like you yep. were talking about before. How'd you do in your leagues this weekend? I did. I did very well. I I, uh, I went two and one this week. Um, the one loss I had. Uh, Nelson Aguilar was the culprit. He uh, <laughs> he started against Green Bay. I thought it was going to be a shootout game. Uh, he started my flex position. He ended up getting zero points, which is I don't know. I don't know how a, a receiver starts a game, uh, plays pretty much every snap in a shootout, and not get any points. But that's what done me in. I, I lost by a few points. So um, I'm overall, I'm still still happy with where my team is. I'm do you ever? Do you ever kind of like find yourself like find it difficult to kind of separate yourself a little bit from like being mad at the player, but also understanding that like it's a game and they're not necessarily worried about fantasy points. You know, you know what? what I'm, I mean? I'm not one of those guys. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't take it personal when somebody okay. does bad. I, I'm just kind of teasing, uh, Aguilar a bit there, but yeah, it's, 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 it's just a game. Right. It's a side game. It's statistical based. Uh, guys have good days, guys have bad days, but no, I'm not one of those people that, that takes it personal and, and tries to, tries to harass the guy after the game on Twitter. <laughs> tweet, yeah, tweet yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right, so Derek, Saints versus Bucks this weekend. Talk a little bit about the fantasy impacts going into week five, Saints versus Bucks. Absolutely. So um, so one of the things I talked about last week is I thought that the Saints defense was, was better than we thought, and I, th- I thought they proved, proved me right uh, last week. Yeah, so, I'd say so. Uh, that, that, was, that was a great performance by them. Uh, one of the other things I talked about was having not being biased when you're setting your lineup. Uh, unfortunately, uh, what that means for a game like this one is that uh, Tampa Bay looks very good on paper mm. against the Saints' 24th-ranked pass, pass defense. Um, I think that we, I think certainly think the Saints should be able to win this football game. Uh, however, Jameis Winston's been on an absolute tear these last couple of weeks. So back in in Week Four, um, he threw for 385 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. And in Week Three, he threw for 380 yards and three touchdowns. So he he is been a monster. Uh, Chris Godwin is another player that's been shining for Tampa Bay. He got 12 catches for 172 yards. Oh, I think I have him. Yeah. <laughs> so he, you, should play him? Yeah, yeah, All definitely right. should. Well, po- possibly, yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> Mike Evans is another guy that, that had a big game. So uh, while I, I still don't think they're going to come into the Superdome and just ab- go absolutely bonkers like they have been, they, are, they should still get some statistics uh, next to their name. So it's it's one of those things where I think they'll get yards, catches. They might not necessarily, you know, get touchdowns, you know, that sort of thing. Um, on the Saints side, Tampa Bay's pass defense is actually ranked number 31st. Mm. So this might be the week that we see Teddy Bridgewater get some opportunities downfield to throw the football. Yeah. Tampa Bay has also given up the second most points to tight ends. So maybe this is the week that Jared Cook finally starts to, starts to you know, live, live up to – 
you know, the, the deal he got this, this past offseason. Absolutely. So, you know, Michael Thomas, Kamara, they're going to get theirs. But watch out for Jared Cook this week. This might be the week if you're searching for a tight end. This might be the week to play him because Tampa Bay is struggling covering tight ends down the scene. I talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but every time someone mentions Jameis Winston's name, all I can think about is when he ate the W in the Superdome. Yeah, that was pr- yeah. by far the weirdest moment yes. ever in pregame history. That was just – that was so odd. Yeah, he's never going to live that one down. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. Uh, so last night the Rams played uh, in, you know, an, uh, an area that we talked about earlier was was the Rams' defense. I think a lot of people expected them to be a lot better. I mean, you have Aaron Donald, you have Clay Matthews on your, on your defense now. So what kind of uh, implications are the Rams' defense looking at right now uh, as far as fantasy is concerned? They've, uh, they've really been struggling here. Um, I have them in one of my leagues. Um, so in two of my leagues, I was fortunate enough to get the Bears defense. Um, but in one of my leagues, I have the Rams defense. And I, I thought that there would be a defense I could count on from week to week. Yeah. That hasn't been the case. Uh, so what's, what's going on now is in that particular league, I'm, ha- I'm kind of having to pay the, the, the week-to-week game. Uh, what I mean by that is each week I'm looking at defenses on a waiver wire that, that I could pick up um, to, you know, insert into my lineup yeah. because the Rams defense is struggling a lot. Uh, something that I've gotten into the habit of doing when I'm when I don't have one of those great defenses is I like to look ahead. Uh, so what tends to happen on waiver wire Tuesday or I'm sorry Wednesday is people they'll get their defense for that particular week. But there's a big advantage if you look a week or two ahead to the matchups. Then that way okay. you you could go ahead and pick them up even today. Uh, one team defense that I got a couple weeks back was the Chargers defense. I acquired them in week three in anticipation of their week four matchup against Miami. Uh, something that is uh, prevalent or coming up here down the pike is we have the Miami defense in week six. They're going to be playing against Washington. Okay. I think by then Dwayne Haskins might be in the game. So obviously Miami doesn't have a great matchup this week, mm-hmm. but next week they might have a great matchup against Washington. Another defense that falls into that same category as Dallas. They're somehow only 52% owned in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Next week they play against the Jets. So today you might be able to go and pick, pick up that Dallas defense to set up your, your, your lineup for next week. It's all about looking ahead. I mean, that's I need to look ahead because I, you know, I, I barely looked at my fantasy app earlier today, and I was like, okay, no one's on a bye week this week. We're in, we're in a good place. Yep. Uh, position battles going into week five. What are you, what are you looking at for position battles? Uh, so, th- there's a few names that I have that that I think are are kind of flying under the radar here. Um, so, one battle or or player that I, I like a lot this week is Andy Dalton. Uh, he's going against Arizona's defense, who's given up the third most pass yards uh, to quarterbacks. He's only 34% owned. I think that this could be a week that he he has a big game. Another player that I don't know how this is, but he's only 19% owned in fantasy fantasy leagues right now, on Yahoo at least, is Cole Beasley, the wide receiver for Buffalo. Mm. Um, he is getting double-digit targets each and every week. He scored double-digit points every week in PPR except for week one, and in that week he got he got nine points. So he's another player that I think that is really fi- flying under the radar. He's putting up wide receiver two numbers. So um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a guy that you ought to pick up. Um, Lastly, Golden Tate. He's only 60% owned right now. He's a guy that's that's going to be coming back off a of suspension this week. He has a young quarterback in Daniel Jones out in New York. Uh, so Golden Tate's really adept at 
a lot of those scramble drill, drill type of uh, situations that young quarterbacks find themselves in often. So he could be a guy that could emerge as a wide receiver one here over the next couple of weeks. You were telling me earlier uh, about strategies with kickers and defense. Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on what you meant by that? Uh, yeah, so specifically in regards to kickers, one of the things that I try to pay attention to is so you, you want a kicker that's not going to just be kicking extra points. You want a kicker that's going to be kicking field goals. So mm -hmm. a lot of times what happens in fantasy is everybody rushes to grab the best kickers that have the best offense, you know, Will Lutz, uh, Steven Koskowski before he got hurt mm -hmm. with New England, those type of guys. But some of the, the best kickers are the ones that are on those good but not great offenses. A um, couple guys I have in mind for that in that category would be like Chris Boswell with Pittsburgh. That's an offense that's, that's, that's moving the football well, but they're not necessarily scoring touchdowns. So they're going to kick a lot of field goals which is obviously three points in fantasy as opposed to kicking extra points for one point. Uh, Eddie Pinero with, with the Bears. Once again, that's, a, that's an offense that has weapons, that moves the, the ball well, but they're not, not necessarily killing it in a red zone. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be getting a lot of field goals. And lastly, Matt Prater out in Detroit. Matt Stafford, great quarterback, doesn't have the best red zone uh, targets. So that's an offense that's going to move the ball. They play indoors. They're going to be kicking a lot of field goals. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's a, it's one of those games you have to play. It's it's a kind of a guessing game, but there's a little bit of strategy you could put behind it. All right, that'll do it for our fantasy football Friday with Derek James. If you don't know, now you know. So don't be like me. Check your fantasy f football app and make sure that you have all the position, uh, all the people in place that you want to this weekend. Make sure no one's on a bye week uh, and uh, do everything you need to do going into this weekend. Derek, we appreciate uh, you joining us today. Thank you, Caroline. Again, make sure you're checking those fantasy apps to line up everything for this weekend. The Saints will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for their Week 5 division battle at noon in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We hope to see all of our favorite black and gold Saints fans there in the Superdome. If you're not going to be there, you can watch the game on Fox 8 with Chris Myers, Daryl Johnston, and Laura Oakman. JD and I will have your pregame show right there on the field in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome at 10 a.m. So be sure to tune in. You can watch on the NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints app, or you can tune in by accessing it through the Saints on social media at Saints. Uh, as always, make sure you're downloading the Saints app, the latest version of the Saints app, and following at Saints on social media to stay up to date with everything you need to know on game day, including traffic information, highlights, stats, and much more. All right, that'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Thanks to everyone for joining me on today's show. Hope to see you in the Superdome. If not, listen, we'll catch you on Monday.